Welcome to episode 5 of season 10 of The Versatile Writer, providing support and encouragement to writers and creatives. I hope you're getting used to the new tagline. I quite like it. You can subscribe to this podcast for free and have it arrive automatically when it's published. Please tell your friends and family because you never know, it could speak to them. You can also further the discussions of topics I raise here on the dedicated Facebook group. The link is in the show notes or you can type the Versatile Writer Podcast Group into Facebook search bar. I'm hoping you listen to other episodes of the Versatile Writer and by now know that I record next to a window which is sometimes open and occasionally you'll hear a vehicle go by or birds on the feeder next to the window so you will hear background noises. It's all part of daily life. As mentioned in episode one, this season is taking writing-related prompts from each letter of the alphabet, and it's worth noting that some of these topics will overlap, and some will have different names but mean the same thing. So we could have a few that sound similar throughout the season. I've had contributions this time from other writers, so big thanks go out to Zelma Klein and her Facebook group Arcane Quill. So here we go, episode 5, G to H, and I'm touching on guidance, groups, genre, ghostwriting, grace, grief, growth, and glitch. Guidance. Now when I say guidance, I'm mostly focusing on coaching, although guidance can mean other things to other writers. It's something many of us need at different times of our writing journeys, not necessarily because we don't know something, but maybe because we're feeling a bit lost and need the guidance of someone who's done it before. Bear in mind that even though I've been writing for millions of years now, there are still times when even I need someone to guide me in the right direction. Having someone to shine a light in the, du- in the right direction when I'm navigating a particularly dark and difficult space is, quite frankly, a welcome sight. It might be due to the way a plot has progressed or how a character might behave. It might even be after publishing a book and I've somehow forgotten which way is the best way for it to be promoted. This might be due to how quickly technology moves and how it might best serve my book's plot. Because promotion can work differently with different books. Essentially, it's all a learning curve and sometimes it's a learning curve every single time you do it. As I say, because tech changes so rapidly. Or maybe the company you generally use for something has altered its way of doing things. So, again, you have to relearn it. Guidance might also be in the way of emotional or practical support. When you're utterly focused on something and then your tech stops working, this might be a time you'll seek guidance elsewhere. There are individuals and there are groups and societies within the writing community all willing to put their heads above the parapet to wave us into the right direction. And it's all about finding them and finding who you can trust as well. Connecting with them is the most important thing. But for some of us, that's not easy to do. Opening up and relying or trusting others can be tricky. And at times we place a lot of reliance upon fate. Serendipity can reveal itself at the most opportune of times. Hence why it's serendipitous. Some of these are individuals, but some might be bodies or organisations like Ally, that's the Alliance of Independent Authors, or Society of Authors, to name just two. For details of both, the links will be in the show notes. Another way of looking at guidance is considering coaching. I see coaching as hand-holding when needed, 
or being a step ahead so you can answer the next question in time, thus making the route an easy path to navigate. You might already know that one of the services I offer through For the Love of Books is coaching. As with most things under my business banner, coaching was not an instant fit. It needed to evolve and eventually it split into three services, group coaching and two personal one-on-one coaching programs, one for 12 weeks and one for 24. You can find out more about each of these services and their intricacies on my site, loveofbooks.co.uk. I'll leave you to pursue that at your leisure. But I'll leave you with three most important and useful aspects, I think, about coaching. Number one, motivation. Now, motivation looks different for everyone. In regular life, some people respond well to being gently nudged, while others prefer something a bit stronger. Most of us already know what irritates us beyond belief and what works well, what will get nothing from us at all and what will get us leaping and bounding ahead. Quite often we find this out in our school days. As an aside, I used to work in an office where it was just me and the manager and we had a mobile phone we had to take everywhere in the building with us. They would regularly come into the office and literally throw the phone on my desk for me to take rather than just giving it to me. Throwing it was their way of saying, right, it's yours now, in that quite angry way. But I saw it as rude rather than motivating. They would also regularly shout at me if I didn't do something quickly enough. Again, this was their idea of motivation. I saw things differently and consequently found a job elsewhere. But the point I'm making is that finding out what motivates someone is not down to the motivator. It's down to the person receiving the motivation. Do you work better if you're being yelled at? Or do you work better if you're in a friendly and supportive environment? I know what I prefer, but we're all different. For what it's worth, I never shout at anyone when I'm coaching them. If you prefer a daily text to see how things are, fab. If you respond to positive affirmations a few times a week, fab. If you prefer a weekly Zoom call to roll out any bumps in your manuscript, fab. Whatever motivates you is the route would take. Accountability is the next one. And I've talked about accountability loads on The Versatile Writer. Being held responsible for your output is an important part of being coached. When we say we want to write a novel, for instance, but don't actually write anything week after week after week, We need to be held accountable, but it's not about pointing the finger. It's more about breaking things down into smaller chunks so you can achieve what you want to and every day or every week be comfortably held accountable for the work you've done. So when being asked, how did this week go? You can answer brilliantly with a big proud grin on your face. That's when accountability works well. The third thing, which is just as important as the other two, has already been touched upon, but regular check-ins to track progress is essential. It works hand in hand with accountability and motivation. So having the three as your main focus helps enormously get the work done. So that's guidance. Let's move on to G for groups. Groups, as in writing groups, ought to be included here because groups are a community's way of supporting and encouraging each other. Or at least that's what I believe they're meant to do. You may know I've been part of many groups in the past, some of which utterly lost their way and became something quite different from their original intention. The less said about them, the better, I think. But if you're just starting a group or joining one, 
there will be a heap of learning curves involved. I have written and talked about groups extensively through my non-fiction books like I've Got a Pen and I'm Not Afraid to Use It, as well as earlier episodes of The Versatile Writer. You can always seek them out. If you're currently part of a writer's or writing group and you're loving it, why not talk about it on The Versatile Writer podcast group on Facebook? Our next G is genre. Genre means the type in which your story is categorised. In fiction, we have romance, thriller, horror, western, crime, science fiction, children's, etc. There are several reasons why genre is important. One of them is that authors need to know what kind of story they're going to write. Audiences need to know what kind of story they're buying into. And bookshops need to know where on the shelf they need to be stored. I've looked into genre a lot on this podcast, so if you want to listen to more and extensively on this topic, check out seasons 7 and 8. G is also for ghostwriting. Ghostwriting is when a writer is hired to write, but the content goes out under the hirer's name. It's a bit of an oxymoron for a ghostwriter to be well-known because, by their very nature, they need to be unknown. It has been highlighted to me over the years that ghostwriting seems to be a bit of a dirty word, or at least a not-very-nice profession. To be honest, though, it's far from not very nice. For a start, it can be incredibly lucrative, for those well-known in the industry. Some celebrity novels and biographies are ghostwritten, and that is quite the norm. Some people won't buy a book if it's been shown to have been written by a ghostwriter. But this seems to be only a thing in the past 20 years or so, at least to me anyway. I still believe hiring a ghost can be the best thing for your book though, because if you don't have the time or the skills to write your book, how's it ever going to see the light of day? I generally liken it to building a house. If you've no skills in construction, you wouldn't set out to build it without learning something about construction, would you? These are metaphors you can use with writing a book too. Your foundations might not hold up the walls or the bricks might look messy and untidy, which would be unsightly. The foundations need to be sound before you build your walls and if they're not, the roof could cave in. Relying on a professional to create the thing you need is usually the way to go. That's not to say you can't write it out first to collect your thoughts or outline your idea. But do consider hiring a professional with a big project, like building a house or writing a book. The following G's are from Zelma Klein from the Facebook group Arcane Quill. G is for grace. We ought to give ourselves a little grace every now and then with our writing our projects, and generally with ourselves. In the end, we're humans working towards immortality, and that's hard work. G is for grief, because sometimes we have to kill our darlings, and that sucks. Also, when we deny our creative souls, a bit of grief for who we're truly meant to be sets in. Growth. What contributes to our growth as writers? Reading? Writing? Something else? Zelma's right here. Our development as writers is ongoing, so we need something to keep that maintained. What do you use or what do you do? Want to let me know in the Facebook group. Glitch. How do you handle the little glitches of writing? Printer errors, jammed paper, that writing app or internet crashes, time management. I agree with Zelma again here and this harks back to guidance in a way. 
Do you handle glitches well or do you need to step back while someone else steps up on your behalf? I'm taking a quick break here to invite you to join my newsletter community. It's free to join and you'll get a monthly email that includes behind the scenes information, regular writing opportunities and exclusive offers. If this sounds like something you'd like to have, visit www.loveofbooks.co.uk and click on the free to you tab. At the bottom, you'll see the subscription button. I hope to have you on board soon. Now we're on to H. We're going to be touching on help, hobbies and happiness. And then I've got harmonious, humility, haunted and hope from Zelma Klein and hyperbole from Shareworth. Help. Before the break, we touched on glitches and Zelma asked how you handle yours. I'll jump on that with, do you ever ask for help? Asking for help is a tricky one for many of us. Can someone else do what you want them to do? And should they? Should you do it yourself? Mostly, I ask for help with tech from my husband, who I only ask for help because he has tech in his DNA. He speaks, eats and dreams technology. Whereas with me, tech always feels like an alien concept, something that's not organic within my makeup. That said, I've been using a computer since I was 16, so I know how to use one, but I just don't get how these things work. But then, do I need to? Other things we ask for help with might not be attached to writing. It could be more about household chores because we've run out of energy and we can't carry on with writing because there's nothing left to write with. Perhaps we're asking for help to pay for something. Asking for help can be tricky, but then we're all different. How do you feel about asking for help? H is for hobbies. While some of us write professionally, others use writing as a hobby. Another podcast I listen to is Right Now from Sarah Werner. Her details are in the show notes. On one of Sarah's episodes, she talked about having hobbies or interests outside of writing, whether or not your writing was your job or your hobby. Now, I listened to this with quite a lot of interest. I'd never considered all the other things I did as hobbies or interests before. In fact, I didn't view the words hobby or interests with much value. Somehow, along the way, I considered everything I did to be either work or not worth doing. If I couldn't monetize something, I stopped doing it. Oh, how wrong I was. Since then, I've viewed things vastly differently. So big thanks to Sarah for highlighting this. When we, as a family, reached that milestone of empty nesting, for us, this was in 2022, a year ago, I realised I needed something else in my life or else I'd go a little more nuts than I already was. Now, I'm a massive nurturer. We'd nurtured our daughter to adulthood and off she flew to live in her own nest. But what next for us, for me? Hubby took things very well because that's what he does. Me, however, it was a huge hole I had to fill. I'd been thinking about acrylic painting for some time, so it made sense to fill that gap with painting. In a year, I'd created some interesting pieces, but I knew I was still learning. A year on, and while I'm still using painting as a pastime, I've now added to my selection of hobbies and interests with dressmaking. Now, I used to do dressmaking about 30 years ago. In fact, I made all my clothes, those of my mum and, at the time, my baby daughter. I created all our home furnishings for us and my parents. 
and I dabbled with other needle craft projects over the years too. But this year, I've reintroduced dressmaking. In addition, because I'm not one to do things when I can do a million things, my husband and I have always also taken on growing plants, fruit and vegetables, with the idea of becoming self-sustainable. Now, if you think about it, all the hobbies I've mentioned take nurturing. And that's what we've done naturally. So tell me about your hobbies and interests on the Facebook group, even if it is writing. H is for happiness. Now, this seems to flow organically with hobbies and interests. Hobbies bring me a lot of happiness, as well as the ability to find solutions for problems that arise within them. Writing itself brings me a lot of happiness too, or else I wouldn't have chosen this as my career. I think, though, that happiness means contentment and, for me at least, achievement. If I've achieved something, I feel immense pride, and that falls nicely into the happiness category for me. How do you view happiness? Harmonious. This is another from Zelma. Can you write at any time, or does your mind have to be harmonious with your environment? Now, this is such an interesting question, isn't it? Personally, I can write at any time because I've trained myself to write on demand. But not everyone's the same. Harmony does play a part, and this harks back to E for environment as well. What is it for you? Do you need the stars to align before you put pen to paper or finger to keyboard? Get in touch and let me know. Humility. The dictionary's definition of humility is the quality of having a modest view of one's importance. And Zelma wrote, we must be able to accept feedback without arrogance getting in the way. Gosh, what a good statement. Again, this harks back to D for delivery and F for feedback. We all need feedback on our writing because so often we're close to it and we won't notice everything that needs attention. Our brain is expecting the next thing to be on there and we won't know if it's the right or the wrong thing because we're so close. And this is another reason why beta readers are a good step in our writing process. Zelma makes a good point about arrogance too. I mentioned ego in E and arrogance sits nicely alongside it. I believe I wrote something about ego being different from confidence because ego won't let you see the error but confidence will. Zelma's mention of humility is an important one to keep in mind because humility helps us develop and grow and arrogance won't allow it because it believes we're already there. Haunted. Now, Zelma asks, do your characters, works in progress or even ideas haunt you like little ghosts when you're not writing? Now, I'd love to hear your responses to that one. Perhaps share them on the Facebook page. The link is in the show notes. From my own point of view, I know that if I don't jot down an idea, it will it really would haunt me forever and ever. But also I, I would forget it really quickly. So it's best to write these things down and then go back to them when you've got space to progress with them. Zam's added hope. Always have hope no matter what you're writing. Hope is what keeps me going at times. And I think we all hope what we've written is what others will like to read. Or hoping the publishing method is going to work well. Or hoping that readers will return for the next book. I hope so. But this next H is from Shareworth, and this is hyperbole. Now, this is a brilliant word, and it's an often elusive in my mind. Cher's definition is a, a figure of speech in which exaggeration is used for emphasis or effect, as in, I could sleep for a year, or this book weighs a ton. 
On my research, I've discovered that it has different pronunciations too, anything from hyperbole to hyperbole. As an aside here, back at uni, at a tutorial, we were discussing the word hyperbole, especially within poetry. And at that specific moment, I felt unbelievable pressure with all the stuff we had to learn. And bear in mind, this at uni for me was just a few years ago. I wasn't the spring chicken that most people are when they attend. I was in my mid-fifties when I graduated. I sat at a desk with about five other students and threw my head in my hand saying, oh my God, there's a million things to grasp for this assignment. And instead of consoling me, they all laughed, saying that I was the living embodiment of hyperbole. After I understood, it did make me giggle. I'm often being called dramatic, but I prefer to employ that other descriptive word, expressive. <laughs> Sherworth's mention of hyperbole reminds me that it's an extremely colourful word that encompasses so much within our language. And that brings us to the end. I appreciate you listening to this episode of The Versatile Writer. Thanks to Cher and Zelma for your contributions. And thank you so much for listening to episode 5, G&H of The Versatile Writer.